crowd of the news cycle these days can be relentless. Let us help you with that. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings, host of The Big Story, Canada's most interesting daily news podcast. Every day, we stop that news cycle in its tracks and examine one big story in depth, something that matters to Canadians. You can find The Big Story every morning for free at Frequency Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Find your frequency. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. Despite what you may have heard, there is, in fact, more than one man running to be leader of the Federal Conservative Party of Canada. Yes, Pierre Polyev's campaign has been loud, incendiary, and impossible to ignore. And that's all by design, of course. But his rival's campaigns are not that. And that's also by design. If there is a single place in this country where the next federal election will be decided, almost every political expert will tell you that it is in the suburbs around the greater Toronto area. Millions of people, an incredibly diverse area, both culturally and in terms of political leanings, dozens of seats up for grabs. Whenever the next election happens, it will likely hinge on places like Brampton, Ontario. So it's not hard to imagine a world in which a largely beloved local politician right from that region would be a huge asset. That I've got uh, the deepest connections uh, to uh, to Brampton. Like I said, this is where uh, my family's been working for 40 years. Uh. Now, Patrick Brown is not currently the favorite in this race, but he does have a strategy he believes can pay off. It has worked for him before, in fact. So what is that strategy? Will it work this time against a rival who polls would indicate has a huge advantage already? And should he somehow come from behind and mount a real challenge? What would a Patrick Brown-led Conservative Party look like, anyway? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Stephanie Taylor covers Parliament Hill for the Canadian press. Hello, Stephanie. Hi there. I know that we could do an entire episode on just this history, but maybe can you explain for people outside of Ontario Patrick Brown's history with the provincial progressive conservative party? He was an MP. He was party leader for a while. What happened? Yeah, you're right about that. Patrick Brown's career really can be marked by its ups and downs. And his time in conservative politics in Ontario started when he was much younger. So the guy's born in Toronto. He got involved in politics as a teenager. At that time, he was a big supporter of Jean Charest, who we all know is running uh, against him to be the now federal conservative leader. And when Brown went to the University of Toronto as uh, a young guy, he served as the president of the party's national youth wing in the 90s. Funny enough, at the same time, Pierre Polyev, one of the contestants in this race, was the university uh, was at the University of Calgary, where he was the president of its 
uh, conservative campus club. And it's a little bit funny to think about the history of the 90s is now playing out in full force in 2022. Right. But Patrick Brown, when he was in his early 20s, he was elected as a city councillor for the city of Barrie. And then from there, in 2006, he was elected as an MP. This is when the Conservatives formed government under former Prime Minister Stephen Harper. And during his time on the federal scene, which was about nine years, he wasn't in cabinet. He wasn't, uh, I would say, like Pierre Polyev, who really kind of made his career and had high profile roles. That was not what Patrick Brown path led him to be. But Mm -hmm. he decided before the 2015 federal election that he wanted to hop back into provincial politics. And he ran for leadership of Ontario's progressive conservatives. And at that time, he billed himself as a real outsider. One of the competitors he was up against at the time was Christine Elliott, who was deputy leader of the party. And Brown ended up winning that contest in 2015. And we can talk about it a little bit later, but he did so really through the sheer fortitude of selling a large amount of memberships and targeting a lot of members of Ontario's cultural communities, so racialized communities, new immigrants. And so he was 36. He was leader of Ontario's progressive conservatives. At that time, liberals had been in power for quite a while. Mm -hmm. So 2018 comes. It's months before an election when the liberals have spent more than a decade in power in Ontario. And Brown, as leader of Ontario's progressive conservatives, CTV publishes a bombshell report of sexual misconduct allegations from two women against Brown. Brown, when he's made aware of these reports, he appears at a news conference. He's alone. He's emotional. It doesn't last very long. He categorically denies the allegations against him. He did then. He still does today. And before he left the news conference, said he was going to be fighting for his job. Brown then resigns the next day and within weeks is kicked out of caucus. That's quite a roller coaster for somebody right before an election is about to begin. Mm-hmm. Then fast forward a few months later, Brown decides to run to be mayor of Brampton, a city in the GTA of about 600,000, and he gets elected. Not long after, he then releases a book uh, called The Takedown, The Attempted Assassination of Patrick Brown, where he, according to his words, kind of details what he thought went down when he was uh, a member of Ontario's Progressive Conservatives. And he has served as mayor of Brampton really since 18, but up and downs, I think, might be the (laughs) most accurate way to describe his time uh, in in leadership in Ontario. There is literally an entire podcast series in that answer you just gave. I know, it was was way too long, but... um, it's, it's a lot to fit in there. It's great background. And I'm going to ask you now, he wins election as mayor of Brampton. This is another one for the folks outside of Ontario, because this is going to be important to the strategy we're going to discuss today. Can you describe Brampton's makeup? Who are Patrick Brown's constituents there? How has he been received as mayor? I've heard that Patrick Brown is a very popular mayor of Brampton. Brampton is a very diverse city. Uh, It has a very large seat community. Patrick Brown, as he is talking about during the leadership contest, and we can get into it a little bit later, but he talks a lot about the efforts he has made to make Brampton an inclusive city, uh, hosting Iftar for members of the Muslim community and whatnot. So Brown entered this leadership race with a reputation as a really dogged organizer. Before he officially announced when I was chatting with conservatives, the one thing they consistently told me is no one can organize like Patrick Brown. So he came in with that reputation. And what he has said to those he is meeting with and those he's trying to sell memberships to is he's not 
entirely trying to win over the existing membership of the Conservative Party. But what he's trying to do is bring in many, many new members. He said he's trying to build a more inclusive Conservative Party. And that means he's focused on racialized communities, immigrants. He's focused on getting people from the Muslim community to take out Conservative Party memberships, those from the Tamil community, those from the Sikh community, those from the Filipino-Canadian community, those from the Chinese community. And really, since he entered a few months ago, he has spent his time crisscrossing the country, going to 10 to 12 uh, events a day, sometimes up for an hour, sometimes a little bit longer, and just making his pitch about why members who have typically not wanted to take out a membership for whatever reason for the Conservative Party should do so for him. What is that pitch? How does he make it? His pitch is really threefold, I would say. First, he is championing himself as a ardent fighter of Bill 21. And this really goes back to his time uh, in Brampton City Hall, where as mayor, he decided to spearhead this fundraising campaign where big cities were going to be pledging funds to a legal battle against Bill 21, which for those outside of Quebec, it's a controversial secularism law that says, if you are working as a public servant in certain positions of authority, you cannot wear religious symbols on the job. So you cannot wear a turban, you cannot wear a kippah, you cannot wear a hijab. Mm -hmm. And Patrick Brown says that this is an affront to religious freedoms. It is discrimination against racial minorities in this country. So even before entering the federal conservative leadership race, this is what he was championing. And so when he's going to these communities, he's really selling himself as a fighter for religious freedoms. The second pitch is he's really offering a seat at the table. And he's going to communities, I would say, for example, like the Nepalese Canadian community, those who are from Nepal, and saying, listen, you really don't have representation in this country. You really don't have representation in terms of uh, MPs who are from the Nepalese Canadian community or members of the Supreme Court or members of the Senate. And you know how you change that? You get involved. And you have to have a friend and an ally in the prime minister's office. And he's also making very targeted uh, commitments to communities. So for example, when he speaks to Filipino Canadians, he is saying, I know family is very important to members of the Filipino community who come to this country and we need to be better at family reunification. And that's why I would scrap the lottery system. He is also talking about things like cricket infrastructure, for example, where hmm. he says, you know, again, speaking to Nepalese Canadians, that if I'm prime minister, you're going to see better investment in cricket infrastructure. But really, Patrick Brown is offering a seat at the table with very targeted promises. And the third part of his pitch is really going hard against his rival, Pierre Polyev. And he's aligning Pierre Polyev with Donald Trump, with Marine Le Pen. Uh, she recently ran for the French presidency and lost, and she is from the far right. And he is saying that get involved and help change the country's right wing or what the country's conservative movement looks like. Brown is really going hard against the fact that Polyev was a member of Stephen Harper's government when it went to an election with promises like establishing a tip line for so-called barbaric cultural practices. Right. And Polyev, I mean, he is not running on it this time, but Brown is bringing up the fact that Jenny Byrne, who was an advisor on Polyev's campaign, was the campaign manager for that 2015 election. And the 2015 election was a, a pivotal moment, I think, for conservatives of, of in terms of what that election did for its support in cultural communities. The 2021 election report that was delivered earlier this year 
uh, sources say that the 2015 election campaign, it, the party is still dealing with brand damages hmm. from uh, immigrant and, and cultural communities in some of the largest cities in this country. And in terms of where the Conservatives need to grow, it is in large cities, it is in the GTA, it is in suburbs. So Brown is really saying that someone like Pierre Polyev in that role isn't going to help the causes. Now, Pierre Polyev for, for his part, he is also reaching out to cultural communities. He's also reaching out to members of the Muslim community. And he is, he is promising things like uh, to speed up the recognition of foreign credentials and saying that they can simply not believe the words that Patrick Brown is, is saying. The news cycle these days can be relentless. Let us help you with that. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings, host of The Big Story, Canada's most interesting daily news podcast. Every day, we stop that news cycle in its tracks and examine one big story in depth, something that matters to Canadians. You can find The Big Story every morning for free at Frequency Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Find your frequency. Do we know anything about how... Brown's efforts to change the tide of the race by simply signing up a ton of new members is going. Do we have access to that data? Do we know if it, membership in the Conservative Party is increasing? That's one of the big questions of this race is how many memberships will Patrick Brown be able to sell and how much will he be able to mobilize these communities, which have not typically really been involved in conservative leadership races? Now, one of the cautions when it comes to how many memberships each camp is able to sell is they're all going to exude a lot of confidence and we're not really going to have an accurate picture of those numbers. Now, we do know the party is bracing for upwards of 400,000 conservative party members being signed up and able to vote for the next leader. Wow. And the deadline uh, for that is going to be later this summer. The new leader is going to be chosen September 10th. And we know that Brown isn't the only one who's signing up members, right? Jean Charest is his path to victory is expanding the conservative base and signing up many new people. Pierre Polyev, he has been having massive rallies across the country, but a lot of the campaigns, a lot of conservatives are watching to see if what Patrick Brown was able to do in Ontario, going to immigrant communities, racialized Canadians, getting them involved in big numbers in terms of memberships, is if he is able to replicate that same success in Ontario at a national level. You spoke a few minutes ago about Brown's strategy versus Pierre Polyev. Brown is also facing off against Jean Charest, and as you mentioned, kind of his mentor and idol. There is a picture, uh, a famous picture, I think, that that a lot of people have seen of, of a young Patrick Brown with a Jean Charest poster on his wall. Um, has he spoken at all about running against a guy that, you know, he he clearly has a ton of respect for? And how how has he gone after him, if so, to try to make that comparison between himself and Charest? He has not gone after Mr. Shrey, and this was highlighted during the most recent uh, French language debate in Quebec, where Shrey and Brown both piled on Polyev for Mr. Polyev's stance when it came to Bill 21 and a number of other issues. But it was interesting that the two of them never really took shots at each other. And they were asked about that afterwards by reporters. If you remember a few months ago, there was a Toronto Star report that said that the two men had some kind of an, a, an agreement and both men, both camps have categorically denied that. 
But both men are very complimentary of each other. I mean, Patrick Brown says he gets along with everyone in the race. He's known them for a while. Mr. Sheree is no exception. He talked very favorably about what Mr. Sheree did for this country during the uh, referendum with Quebec about staying or going. And Mr. Sheree as well, interestingly, said that he has known Patrick or Mr. Brown since he was about 15 years old, and Mr. Brown should not be underestimated. And that is a, a recurring theme that I'm hearing from conservatives in this race is that you do not underestimate what Brown can do in terms of membership sales. But again, that goes to the big question of the race is, is he able to pull off what he did in Ontario at the federal level? When you look at the race as a whole and who each of the candidates are courting, how critical are the votes that Brown is going after right now? Not just in the leadership race, but I mean, this leadership race is supposed to be about who can take on the liberals and win the next federal election, right? Conservatives know that whoever wins this contest is going to have to grow their support in cities. That is something all six of these folks who are running know that they need to do. And the argument that Brown is making is, look it, I'm the mayor of a GTA city. Look it, I've spent my political career in Ontario. And it's interesting when he goes and speaks to members of the Muslim community, for example, in Alberta, he says, you may not know who I am. But call up folks in Brampton and they can vouch for me. Call hmm. up folks in Ontario and say, what do you know about this Patrick Brown character? What is he like? What has he done? So that's really how he's pitching himself. But at the end of the day, Brown's strategy aside, every conservative candidate knows that they need to grow in cities. They know that they need to grow in racialized communities with new immigrants. And again, going back to that 2021 election report, sources said that the, the damage from the 2015 campaign it did for the Conservative Party's brand with uh, immigrants, with new Canadians, with racialized Canadians is still hurting them in areas where they need to grow. And that outreach is, is going to have to be important for whoever wins the Conservative leadership. And it is important to note that Mr. Brown, although this is a big part of his strategy, he's not the only candidate who is who is reaching these communities. Pierre Polyev, as I mentioned earlier, he is meeting with them. He is talking about an economic message, about low taxes, about making it easier to have foreign credentials recognized in order to be able to uh, get into the job market. Leslie Lewis, who ran in 2020, she talks about herself being an immigrant. She talks about knowing the struggles that immigrants face in this country trying to offer the job market. Roman Babber, the independent MPP from Ontario, also talks about his own story uh, and about accessing success in Canada. I'm not going to ask you for a lengthy list of Brown's positions on every issue. Um, and you've already touched on his direct appeals to cultural communities. So leaving that out, broadly speaking, what would a Patrick Brown-led party be like or a Patrick Brown-led federal government? One of the things that stands out for Mr. Brown's campaign compared to others, uh, most notably Pierre Polyev, is that when it comes to policy positions, he is not the candidate that I would say is putting the most policy in the window to see. Mr. Sheree has been doing that quite a lot. Mr. Polyev has been doing that quite a lot. Mr. Brown, for example, uh, he has talked about that most recently he would repeal the current Firearms Act in the country and replace it with one that better respects the constitutional rights of Canadians. We don't really have any details 
for that one. But really, Patrick Brown is hammering hard on building an inclusive conservative party, once that stands up uh, for religious freedoms against forms of discrimination. I mean, he talks about his time as Brampton's mayor, but I do think that is one of the big questions I have as someone who is covering this race is compared to Mr. Shrey or compared to Mr. Polyev that has been making more targeted policy announcements. Mr. Brown uh, has really He's made some policy announcements, but he has not released a full platform. I mean, none of the candidates have. But at this point in the race, I think the focus is on selling memberships and getting the name recognition out there and meeting people. And that has been uh, Mr. Brown's uh, outside of Ontario, as we're talking about, has been one of the things he needs to do. He needs to get his name out there and he needs to get people to know who he is. As you talk to people around the Conservative Party or out on the trail, what do they think about his actual chances of pulling this off? I mean, I know he's kind of seen right now as being in third place. Is there optimism in there beyond folks uh, close to Brown and his team? No one is saying count Patrick Brown out. He came into this race as a reputation of a dogged organizer, of someone who knows how to mobilize, of someone who knows how to build a team. Can he do it across the country this time? It remains to be seen. Um, one of the important features of a leadership race is it is a ranked ballot system. So it is not necessarily always who are members picking as their number one choice, but who are members going to be picking as their number two or their number three choices. And when we talk about someone like Mr. Sheree, both of them are trying to build a broader conservative party. They are trying to, if you will, bring more moderates into the party, focus uh, more on centrists in some ways? And will they be able to share a a bit of those same voters? How is that dynamic going to work on the down ballot support? I also think of someone like Ms. Leslie Lewis, who is also talking about religious freedoms. How is that going to work with Patrick Brown's message uh, around Bill 21 and about, about standing up for religious freedoms as he defines it? Here's my last question, just because I'm curious. If there was one question that you could ask Patrick Brown uh, and he'd be forced to answer truthfully, what would you ask him? I would ask him how he would keep a caucus together. Patrick Brown is an outsider to the current federal conservative party in that he is no longer elected as an MP. A lot of the caucus have backed Pierre Polyev uh, for a number of different reasons. We know he is very popular among the existing grassroots of the conservative party. There was lots of disappointment in 2020 when we know he decided to not run. And so as we've seen with Mr. O'Toole, who the reason we're even having this leadership race is because the caucus decided that he was no longer going to be serving as leader and we can have another episode and talking about all the dynamics that were there. But some of that was a mix of the direction of the party. Some of that was a mix of how he managed his caucus. So for someone like Patrick Brown, who again has been running quite a harsh campaign against Mr. Polyev and against what the Conservative Party have done in the past under someone like Stephen Harper, who is still very popular among many Conservatives, if he wins, how would he keep the caucus together? And if the Liberals deal with the NDP holds and there is not an election from 2025, yes, that gives the next Conservative leader a time to get election ready, to recruit candidates, to do all the things a party needs to do in order to get ready to go for the polls. But for a party like the Conservatives that have been through a number of cycles of leadership races now and have this big tent and you have to manage the coalition, how would Patrick Brown keep a caucus together when he is running the type of campaign he is and and against someone like Mr. Polyev, who I would argue is his main rival in this race, 
who has the overwhelming backing of caucus. It's a fascinating question. Stephanie, thank you so much for this. Thank you. Stephanie Taylor is the Parliament Hill reporter for the Canadian Press. That was The Big Story. You want more? Head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. You want to yell at us? Find us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. You want to talk gracefully in paragraph form? Email us, hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca. You want to just ramble into a telephone? Call us. Leave us a voicemail, 416-935-5935. And you want to make sure that everybody listens to this show? Tell them about it. Rate us, review us, spread the word. We love it when we get listeners who came to us from other listeners. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. Thanks for listening. We'll talk tomorrow. The news cycle these days can be relentless. Let us help you with that. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings, host of The Big Story, Canada's most interesting daily news podcast. Every day, we stop that news cycle in its tracks and examine one big story in depth, something that matters to Canadians. You can find The Big Story every morning for free at Frequency Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Find your frequency.